Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. This is great. Well, thanks. Um, don't know how if you have any feedback about the beginning of the um, meditation, grounding in the space, and noticing our connection with the rest of the planet, of the world. Um, is that something comfortable or unusual? Can everybody hear okay? Yeah. Yeah. Back there. Yeah. yeah. I can Good. speak loud. It. Uh, so is something new you tried? Or? It, it was new and yet it was also comfortable. It was really uh, beautiful. Good, good, I'm glad. I, I like to start with that because um, uh, part of being aware of what injustices are around our neighborhood, it's, it's also connected of everything else that is happening in this world, but also in our practice if we if we practice noticing how we are really related to everything else in this planet, but also aware that our existence, it's connected. Like, you know, the water we drink is water that we all share. I mean, we drink it and it goes back to the earth. In, in different ways, it comes back to us as a rain, as a bottle drinking water or as a beer, but it comes back to us and we're connected there. The air that we're breathing here, it's the same air that everybody else in this planet breathe. Um, the food that we eat, it's the same, has, has the same components that we have all at some point share and return to the air. Um, you know, we can do some mindfulness maybe in the future about that connection that we all have and how we are interconnected. And um, having that awareness then can also bring some compassion that the suffering of others is also our suffering uh, because we are related. Um, and that not having uh, an action can also have an impact on our lives. So for example, um, if our grass in the front yard is you know, slowly drying up and we choose not to put water or not to do anything about it, hoping that it will rain soon and that it will be green, we may get lucky and it may be green or it may not turn green, it may not rain enough and we'll have a brown front yard and when visitors come, they'll remind us how brown this is. How come we didn't do anything about it, right? But, and so we'll be always reminded by seeing it or by somebody else. If we do something about it and it turns green and nice, maybe no one will remind us how beautiful it is and no one we knew, knew that it took us an effort to put water on it. But it will be there, healthy. So um, that's just in a way how I see that we do bear some responsibility to take care of ourselves and others. And so I begin with ourselves by um, offering to you some uh, mindful principles that we can use. And those are being present, um, contemplating each moment with awareness, letting go to our um, attachments and perceptions, 
what we're doing here. And now their concept is to witness and experience, um, you know, whatever is um, just bringing um, pain to our hearts, to ourselves, because we're seeing suffering around others. Um, and just being aware of that, noticing why is that happening and how is that affecting us. And with that information, taking some healing actions for you and for everybody else. And so the way we do that, as, as we were doing here, is um, we see things being present. Uh, we notice the things that are um, affecting us, that we feel like we're losing or self-centered and falling into reactivity or detachment. Right? As I was saying with the grass, we can simply just let it be and say, whatever, I don't need a green grass. Or we can react and start doing something about it. Um, and so when we, when we give attention to what's affecting us, um, and when we practice here, we bring, you know, caring attention to the experience, um, we also suggest in our practice to let go to judgment. Just kind of bring that caring attention to the body, to the mind. Um, and even when there is an age of anxiety or discomfort when we're sitting here, the practice is to bring that kindness to us and just experience it without judging ourselves or others that are causing that anxiety to us. So as we contemplate and explore ourselves, um, you know, we start practicing also that loving attention to us and perhaps to the others that have harmed us. Man, let me just move back a little bit here. So that's the part of seeing things and experience um, life as it is. Um, and from that, from that knowledge, we can move. Uh, just one second. I'm new with my computer. I just got it. Um, we can also do the inquiry or what. Uh, what are our intentions when we are witnessing and noticing these um, causes that are uh, causing anxiety on us? Um, with that awareness, then we can move to experience or to witness what is happening. So, for example, if we think about homelessness or any of the news that are that we're seeing now, violence with uh, you know in other states. Uh, issues with migration, whatever touches you and whatever makes your heart quiver. We can look at that, uh, in, at that um, incident with the awareness of how it's affecting us first. Right? And doing the investigation whether that is personal, whether we are reacting by our own trauma, and having that knowledge, then we begin first by looking and exploring what is the healing that we need instead of reacting and acting right away. Then the next step after we discover whether it is our body or mind that needs some healing, uh, and we do that healing, we can start thinking about healing for others, healing about uh, ways that would bring no harm to us or to other beings, and looking into ways of how um, bringing healings will really um, 
have any expectations for us. Um, thinking if we decide to take an action, if we are expecting to create a, a change or we're expecting somebody to do something about it or we're doing this simply because we feel that is or calling or responsibility um, to help and in, in bringing healing. Then the next process in that investigation is um, what, what is it that we want to do? Uh, and why do we want to do it? I and mean, when we see injustice and pain, it's always clear there. There's no question we see it and it's very clear but it's what is it that we want to do and how do we want to do it? Sometimes we're looking for others to guide us or to tell us here, go here, um, call here, or come to an action. Um, but the answer is, is, is within us. Uh, the opportunities are out there. First is finding what is it that we really feel most connected with and what are our limits. Uh, and I would pose to you, for example, when um, when we come here to a Sangha and we seek community here, do you feel that there's more strength in your practice? There's more support? Mm -hmm. So in the same way, if you see injustice in the world or in your neighborhood, if you act on your own um, versus if you act in community, finding others that are also caring for the same issue, it will be the similar uh, situation as having a community of a Sangha here. That doesn't mean that you cannot practice on your own. You said you, you could. Of course, we always, we should practice every day. But having that community also brings some encouragement, and nourishment that our actions are being heard and being seen. Um, also, it, it helps us to see that there is um, other folks who are engaged in the same activity with the same desires. Um, and um, it helps us also see and being present how we are interdependent and connected, that it does take a community to bring healing action. And um, with that connection to others, we come back to this practice again, which is finding ways to bring peace and healing. So I'm going to pause there um, to offer you the opportunity for questions and sharing. Why don't you? One thing I would like to know about is what your experience was like going down to Tijuana and um, practicing uh, and where you were practicing. Can you give us some? Sure. Yes. So um, let, let me start by uh, saying that the actions that we choose to take are usually related to our experience or where we feel more comfortable with. So my, my background has been working with communities and doing different kind of uh, activism work. So I feel comfortable doing what I did, right? But at the, at the same way as I feel comfortable, um, I also 
use this practice to learn a lot about me and how I can introduce this. So one was, I have been practicing for a long time. Um, I wanted to understand how I can merge the practice with the social activism jobs that I've been doing. And I was trying to look for community to do that, as, as I offered to you. But I realized that not everyone really felt comfortable going over there. And um, I also realized that going there really was not creating any substantial change in terms of policies here. Um, but I wanted to just share my practice with those that were suffering. The first thing I noticed when I, I got there was judgment, uh, judgment in terms of trying to understand why people were taking such risk, seeing a mother with three, two children, just there on the street hoping that somebody will give them a hand, a roof or food. It was hard for me, although that I have the intellectual knowledge of all the political and social economic reasons why they're escaping and risking, the mind was there judging. So I had to, the practice, I had to ground myself and say, well, who am I to judge? Mm -hmm. They're here, they're suffering. That's the first pause. Right. Second pause in, in what I was saying is like being present. It wasn't easy to see all that suffering. I had to ground myself and experience that my own suffering, recognize my own trauma in it and all of them that I, that I was witnessing, and center myself to decide what I wanted to do. So I decided to continue going to a shelter, which was more appropriate to offer this setting and continue doing that for a while. Luckily, I was uh, welcomed by a, a psychologist who was familiar with mindfulness. From then on, um, I moved to um, offer mindfulness to the, the caregivers, the, the, the workers and volunteers of the shelters. And that was more recently, about three weeks ago. It took a lot of preparation to do that and invite another teacher to come with me, mm. days and days to, to, to prepare the, the, the half-day retreat. And as the time goes, I have all these expectations and ideas and I, of what I want to see. Um, I had people on the other side helping me. And when I got there, um, my expectations were not met. You know, I did still deliver what I wanted to, but I didn't get everything that I wanted. And that was the way another practice for me. Well, well, what were my intentions? Mm -hmm. What were my intentions? And it took me some time realizing, wow, everything that I had done and I didn't get, you know, the attention of everyone that I wanted to get. That was my ego there. So coming back and then realizing, well, there were two folks there who were really suffering, um, who want to continue practice. And I said, oh, that's the practice. Hmm. In the same way, I think um, I can offer to you so many of the things that makes my heart quiver. But I think each, each of us uh, are more knowledgeable of what, um, what brings compassion on us. And that, that I invite you to explore, which so much suffering that, that we see, what, what is your responsibility and what is is it that, that you feel comfortable doing? And then the next question is, why is it that I want to act? Mm 
or not act. And that's okay if you feel that you don't have to act. But um, if you feel like acting, then it's finding what is it that you want to do is within you. And if you don't know how to do it, then to inquire, ask. <coughs> mm -hmm. After going there, I'm, uh, I know you do uh, the contemplative work inside too. After getting engaged, how has that helped your sitting practice? To them? To you. After going there, you know, uh -huh. getting engaged socially in action. I know it's like, great to, to get with engaged Buddhism, but uh, I know it supports our sitting and then, you know, watching our uh -huh. minds also. And then has that uh, brought a whole lot of change. Progress for your own sitting meditation, I'm sure. I, mean, I don't know if mm -hmm. you're um, I don't know if it has brought change in me versus uh, I, I started doing it because that's, that was what I felt that I, I could do at that moment, that I needed to do. Uh, and I was glad to sit there with, uh, so there were two shelters that I visit, a men and a women shelter. Um, and I'll reply to that question. The men's shelter, you know, about a group about this size of men who had been, I don't know how long they had walked to get to Tijuana, and I don't know how long they had been walking during the day to get to the shelter until they opened. But the fact that they would come and sit and silently just sit with this woman that they don't know, some of them would fall asleep and uh, others would just go with the guided meditation. Uh, you know, it didn't feel like, well, it's changing much of their lives, but the fact that I can share this safe um, half an hour with them and that give them that space to let go um, helps me strengthen my practice of sharing what I know. The women's was a little bit more difficult because the, the women's shelter was full of kids mm -hmm. and mothers really worry about how to take care of their children. Uh, and so I realized what I learned is I cannot work with that group of women because that was just too painful for me and too challenging for me to practice. So I knew that was my limit. Um, and I wasn't really looking anything for me. And so I don't know if it has helped me personally, except continue building community and learning to let go to expectations and attachment. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> uh, but then getting building community. So here I am with you. You know, this is this opportunity came out of that. That uh, desire came out of a practice during the mindfulness certification training that I was with uh, Wendy. And so you never know where your actions are gonna take you. So there was no expectation except that I wanted to see how I can share my practice with others. And so I witnessed and I experienced it. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Uh-huh. Um, earlier you had mentioned uh, if there's something calling us uh, mm -hmm. that makes our heart quiver, to then decipher and look into that and to see if it's from from a passion or from uh, some sort of trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, could you give an example of that? Uh, maybe something you've noticed or just an example of that that really resonated with me, just the defining mm -hmm. of those two mm -hmm. things. Could you give an example of that? Yeah, sure. Well, well, uh, can you tell me a little bit more why it resonated? Um, well, I... Uh, I feel I, I have, uh, you know, a lot of things that, that really lately have, have been tugging at my heart, homelessness, just trash on the ground. I find that I want to do things, um, but I've also found in my past certain things that I've wanted to do that really just come from trauma. Mm -hmm. And then what you had said is going in and seeing if there's some healing that, that we may need. Mm -hmm. And that kind of part really resonated with me because seeing that like within the mind are we reacting out of that trauma mm -hmm. that should be healed or is it coming from a real wholesome place of change so mm -hmm. i guess an example of, of that yeah. i guess i just explained yeah. my own example thank you for but, sharing <laughs> yeah, no but i just found that that was pretty deep and especially now i think <clears throat> The reacting from trauma or yeah. reacting from a real wholesome place of change because I think reacting from trauma could bring more trauma yeah as well if, exactly if, if not healing. yeah thank you thank you you just like cover all the Dharma talk <laughs> better than me <laughs> well but that's so that's my my offering in terms go ahead well I just want to say with that when I think if there's <clears throat> I love that step about checking in mm. and seeing what what's stirring and then if you do notice that there's a charge like you know from trauma I mean it's not I don't think it has to be completely healed and us being neutral before we take action and, and not that anybody's saying that but I do think that if there's a unconsciousness reaction out of trauma that can create more trauma yes. but if there is conscious that oh I I have a charge here I'm triggered and then with that awareness take action that can in itself be healing for that harm that you you're that I'm carrying around so I think both are true does that make sense if it makes sense to you for me the, the practice the way I, I experience and I suggest in these three steps is one is you sit with that right so you you see trash on the street and you want to do something about it you want to write a letter <laughs> or get the blog organized to do something about it to do the thing well first it's like okay what 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 does this feel in my body and then is the the inquiring well why is it that it bothers me and, and just go even deeper, well, why is it that I get so annoyed? And how does like unresponsiveness from the community affect me or where is that connection, right? So having that information is very unique. It's, it's to each of you. Once you know that, then you question, well, okay, if I do this, are there any expectations? Can I deal with not getting you know, my answers uh, or my concerns resolve? Will I be okay? Or will I be angry? And if I'm going to be angry, is that going to feel more anger or is it going to bring healing? Mm -hmm. So, 
I could give you many examples of how I sinned this, but I think we're kind of running um, out of time. But really quick, I said, so I was a community organizing. You got that. For many, many yeah. years? Okay, thank yeah. you. Um, and um, so when community organizing, it's like I bring in an issue and I, I, I start talking to each of you and tell you why this is important beyond what I, I did now. And so that, that's the issue where I want to engage. Right? And successfully I could bring people I work to in a, a campaign statewide to bring uh, domestic <coughs> bill of rights for domestic workers to have some basic rights. Uh, in that campaign, I had a lot of women, basic rights, not even minimum salary, let's speak it. But a lot of women were passionate and were there. There was so much drama, there was so much anger. Um, similar with uh, when we were trying to win uh, DACA, uh, um, different action. So a lot of the parents were left out in that. And, People were really passionate. We were out going to Sacramento, to Washington, on the streets. People would take risks, and even now, to be deportive. But when, when we wouldn't win everything that we had campaigned to get, you would see how some would just like move away. Or you would not, I, wouldn't, I would witness the, the sadness, the, 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 the reactions, the, the, you know, just the feeling helplessness. And so I realized that there's a lot of trauma here. People come and join these movements hoping for some healing within themselves. Yes, healing for the nation, but also within themselves. And that urged me to figure out, well, how can I bring healing with this, knowing that I practice this and has been so good for me, how can I bring it to, to the activism so that there is that awareness. So. Mm -hmm. I wonder how, um, how it was actually offered or how you offer it, because you can imagine that in such an acute situation where people are really just in such an acute phase of trauma, of emotional upset and um, desperation, and I mean, it's like really extreme, those emotions. Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder how you manage to reach the people that are, you know, like, so is there like flyers going around or is, is there... In organizing? Yeah, or is the people that live in the shelter just uh, orally saying, okay, we'll have this event going on, and, mm. and how, how do you go about it? Yeah, and organizing. For the refugees, itself. Well, it's very individual, I would say. So that's why I, I began at the different sort of being, talking about my background, that that was very unique for me. But uh, if, if you walk, I, I see less and less when I walk by the beach. But a uh, couple of years or a year ago, I was bike riding at night uh, around the lagoon behind the Hyatt, I think is the hotel. Yeah. Is that why I lagoon? And it was dark, and I didn't, you know, anyway, it was, just, it was night bike riking, and, and thought I was a nice route. But when I got closer, I saw, it, I, I heard a lot of homeless talking, and I heard the voice of a little, a, little, a child 
among all of that. Uh, we didn't feel, I felt a little, you know, scary and unsafe, but I also felt enough strength to be safe. Uh, so I have something in mind if I wanted to bring mindfulness to them. You know, I, I could do it, but I, I would ask, like, how would you do it if you wanted to bring mindfulness to, to those folks who are also suffering and are in very dire conditions? Can you think? Yeah, that's, that's exactly uh -huh. my, would be a challenge for me, because I would feel like almost a missionary, kind of, you know, <laughs> okay, yeah, I know it's good for me, so maybe it's good for you, and... Then don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on your path. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, there's so many causes, there's a lot of suffering that we can see. And there's many different ways of doing it, right? So if your passion is the homeless, right, then stay with that. Stay with that. And when you, once you meditate on that and you say, this is what I want to do, then look at the possibilities of how you can, what you can do and how you could do it. I am not, like, Gundy and I were debating well. <laughs> so I'm trying not to wear my organizing hat here. I'm trying to wear my practice uh, hat <laughs> here. <laughs> because we're all practitioners, and you're really good. I was really impressed. Go ahead. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how you define passion versus ego as a motivator in this work? Uh -huh. Awesome. <laughs> that's what I would struggle with. Uh -huh. I know what's right for you versus I feel passionate about something I yeah. can bring to the cause. Mm -hmm. um, so that's for me, but you also have to find your own answer, right? In my case, so <laughs> I, I care a lot about the environment. I care about all the isms. <laughs> yeah. um, but I am quite aware that um, I have my own trauma as an immigrant and I can relate to that more easier, I, I, I can dance with that, I can like, be at ease with, with that more than with homelessness, I would say, right? and uh, that's just where I feel the most. That's, that's just where my passion is right now. And that doesn't mean that the other passions or interests that I have are less interest, but that this is from everything that I see and everything that affects me, where at this moment in my life can really connect more. So I'm very careful in selecting connect and not um, be more effective because I'm not organizing anymore, so I'm not thinking about effectiveness, but where can I connect and be one with the others? And the ego is always there. I just I share with you, like I had expectations in this last, and I had to become aware again. There it is again. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Um, yeah, I, I 
enjoyed what we were just talking about and was wondering um, with the detaching, like what the dangers are with becoming very detached. And I think detachment sometimes is a side effect. Um, I, from my guess would be that you know if we're detaching, it's probably like we're we're suppressing those feel those hard feelings, and then I guess we might also be suppressing like the good feelings too. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe the second danger that I can brainstorm would be we're sort of telling our subconscious, you know, that yeah, that there are things that are not okay and. There's, you know, it's never going to be fixed. That people don't, you know, it's sort of giving a negative uh, scarcity uh, that we're telling our subconscious. But just, have you heard what? What are the dangers of being detached? Because I'm going through life right now, you know, where like I don't want to have to worry about anything else. I want rest. I want to not think. And I'm very much like, if I, I, I can see how I would attach to things. Um, because of wanting, you know, control. Like, the things that I am attached to often come from an ego. Like, I think I, I can do something about that. I can, you know, with a lot of expectations, a lot of control. Hmm. But um, I was just wondering what the dangers are of being, of detaching from things that maybe you do feel a little tug, but you just tell yourself, look, I have no time for that because I have a big job over here. Well, when when um, you stop watering the lawn mm -hmm. and you detach from that, right. what happens? Yeah, I mean, you you might judge yourself, but also if I've chosen to detach, it's because of, you know it's not that important to me, and I I feel like there are more important things that I need to be spending my time and limited energy on. Yeah. So but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I'm wondering if, if this thinking is mm -hmm. hardening my heart and making me not feel joy and love mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in, in the practice, um, we when we invite you to sit mm -hmm. and to notice, to witness, to contemplate what's happening, uh, we don't invite you to detach from all of that. We invite you to notice, to be aware. Mm -hmm to let go the, to the judgment. Um, and once you find those answers within you, then you have more um, knowledge, more wisdom on what actions you want to take. And if that, you know, like you say, well, maybe the grass is not that important for me. I can let it go and live without it. Mm -hmm. So like your values become more in the light. In the it's not clear. So when, when I say, and this practice is not about detaching, uh, this practice is about uh, being aware and responding with wisdom, with healing action. One thing I, I would recommend that has worked for me in this instance is um, when you're super busy and you're caregiving or you have a full-time job or you just have so much energy, um, make friends with social activists that are doing the work that you would like to do. They need your support. And there are so many in this community who do amazing work. And whether you are throwing them a few dollars or posting their stuff on social media or attending one event, find the people who are doing the work 
and uh, be a cheerleader for them. If you can't do it, cheerlead other people who are doing it. Um, and currently, right now, in Long Beach and Orange County, there are amazing activists doing groundbreaking work that I'm very proud of, uh, happy for. And uh, they want to know you're there. And pick one. Pick one group, one person. Um, and that can be a way to balance the overwhelm and the apathy. And it always feels great to see somebody moving forward and shining, doing something that you admire. It reinforces. So that, that's a suggestion. Um, and to me, that's a form of meta. It's a form of giving. I, I saw a hand earlier. I was going to say, when you were speaking, it made me think of um, what you had said earlier about knowing your limitations. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's a piece of it also, is knowing what, for me, knowing what I can do and what I can't at this moment, at this point in time. What can I do? What's mm -hmm. available to me? So I think that that's what I thought of as you were talking. That's a piece of it. And then not judging and not, Yeah, right. But not judging yourself about it. Oh, you can't do everything. It's a lot. And, and the part of building community is important. I mean, here you have a community you know, that embraces you, embraces your children, and you practice. And that's the other thing. I just want to say, maybe in those steps, like you were saying about looking at what you just said, seeing about what you can do and what you can't do and all that, but also just acknowledging what you are doing. Are those three lovelies yours? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, embracing beautiful, healthy, loving beings, you know, adds light to this planet. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah. Very meaningful. And then taking that, like with what Wendy said, you know, like I used to do big activism, you know, and now I write checks more. You know, I do because I, I'm, I, I can't do crowds like I used to. And I've shifted. And so I write a check. I, I pick people or whatever. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I was going to bring it back to what the woman I just left had mentioned about, you know, how do you do uh, you know, what's the difference between, you know, if it's a passion or if it's ego-driven? And I think in, in my experience, and I've done it both ways, is, is uh, you know, it it's all comes back to motive. Like, what is your motive? Is your motive to truly help people, or to, or is it is it after something else, like some kind of self-gain, financial interest, or accolades? And I've done things both ways, but I found that when you truly bring it back to, if your motives are truly pure, I mean, your ego is always going to be there one way or another, yeah. but... but you know, if it's truly a, uh, a passion-driven thing, then all of that other uh, game doesn't matter one way or another, and you're happy either way. You know, um, that's just my experience. Yeah. Thank you. Another thought too, like a, a few weeks back, um, there was um, an event organized, um, and I think this was global, but locally, where um, people were invited to come out about the current immigration issues and um, the separation of families, and. Uh, 
You know, I am absolutely busy, like beyond belief, like many of you, right? And don't have a lot of good energy, strong energy anymore for things. Um, but I agreed to work with the group and do what I could. And uh, Friday night, um, we gathered on a street corner, you know, and um, the thing about that is a, the little bit of energy that I gave, and, and you know, then you ask, well, what did it do? But what it did was so many people came from so many different walks of life, from all over the place. Um, people came with food. Uh, young people came who were just beginning to start progressive work, very young people, pe different ethnicities, churches, mosques, synagogues, and then cars were honking, and it made me feel human. Mm. You know, it made me feel human. And whatever little energy I gave, I got back so mm -hmm. much more. Mm -hmm. uh, that sense of alienation was not there to know one among many, hearts among many, maybe, you know, we can together uh, feel that sense of community and do what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, so, so just to share that, that sometimes the little bits of showing up go a long way in the heart and soul. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I think another time was there was, when there was a shooting in the mosque in New Zealand, if you remember that. Um, we got some texts to go visit the mosque for their um, major, um, and I think it's a Friday night, they have a large service. And um, so my son and I spontaneously got in the car, we went to the mosque and uh, covered our heads. And, and well, you know, people from everywhere came to support uh, the people who were worshiping in the mosque that night. And uh, a little act, I just went up to the one of the people who ran it and I said, you know, the Buddhist community cares and supports you too. You know, we want to be here for you too. And I didn't think that was anything of any particularity, but he was like, oh, that is, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And he, he announced, he went to the microphone, he goes, the Buddhists are here too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the little bit that you do. Um, and people were like so grateful that we came and did the prayers with them. A very simple thing. We just covered our heads and did the prayers and sat together. And it meant a lot to that community. So sometimes, you know, those little things are worth the little, the effort you get back. Um, and it helps us stay human, um, stay connected and stay human. So, uh, so there's this uh, misconception that, that if you're a Buddhist, you don't act. You just kind of accept and and you know um, let everything crumble down. But this is a very engaged and very active practice, and our mind is always working, and we're discovering a lot every time we sit. Uh, and so that's the same way as we should live our life. Uh, yeah, same invitation, and uh, it's it can be overwhelming. Uh, when there's so much out there happening and we don't, we've never really been engaged. So it's just little by little showing up. Just like when we come here, we show up. 
right? And you may not be able to make it every Sunday, but the one time that you came has a lasting effect. Yeah, I think I saw one here in there. Um, so, if you're taking your available energy and, and maybe it's your primary focus in life and maybe you're finding places in the margin where you can make it happen, um, you're, in, in the other parts of your life, you're going to find people who aren't, who are averse to the other people's suffering. So someone who is shutting out of their life the bad news on the TV because uh, they don't want to be dealing with it or they, they are not cultivating empathy for those who are suffering. So how do you, how do you dive in and engage deeply um, and then go back and walk, walk amongst, you know, the average Joes and Janes of the world who may have no idea of the suffering that you are helping to alleviate every day or, or who actively don't want to? Like, how, how do you do that? I'm not clear. About so I worry about climate change, and I walk around and see lots of small actions taken by lots of people that are not going to move the planet towards healing, mm -hmm. and I feel upset, but it's because maybe I have a level of understanding or concern, and those other people don't, or they don't have access to information or things like that. So I find it hard to have the energy to engage deeply just on the issue, and then also have the compassion for the people who don't care. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a practice in itself. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure you will find the answer a little more if you think about it, but I'll, I'll offer you my, my own experience. Right. Um, let me begin with my practice. So, my family doesn't want to know what they've done to me. They don't care, and they speak behind my back. Right? But I, like, I understand that. Uh, I, when I go on a meditation retreat, I come back all please. Oh. But I have to be aware that they don't want to know, they don't care, and if I share anything, they'll be like, what? <laughs> okay, so... Um, um, I'll give you two more examples. <laughs> this is like, so uh, my, I have a sister who, she's a, she's a union activist, mm. and her union I brought her to work today, you know, she's still there. <laughs> but one of the, the goals is climate change, organizing around climate change, right? So it's just like, it's like their dharma there. <laughs> but I go to her house and it's just like, in you know, most of the family gatherings are there. We were there yesterday, it's like paper plates, styrofoam all over, <laughs> plastic. And the birthday celebrations, my gosh, they're just full of things that will fill up the, the garbage can. And I just don't get it. I mean, like, you preach this out there, but you can't really mm. practice. Mm -hmm. So I had to let go of judgment. Mm -hmm. yeah, to let go of judgment. Yeah. And I, I'm very, my son, I have a 13-year-old son, he's well aware. Has, and so he's, 
it's like this is like our conversations daily. He's even more strict than me in telling me, oh, this is not good. We're wasting water. And all that. Um, and he's the one who told me, well, China is not taking any more recycling. What are we gonna do? <laughs> you know? uh, she's like, I don't have the answer, honey. But let's just keep recycling. Um, but I'll give you another one. So. I, I am not upset anymore with Donald Trump. When he won, when I saw that he was winning, I told my son, let's just go to sleep. Uh, let's just turn off the lights and let's, let's, just, let's, let's see if we can sleep tonight. And it was a hard process to kind of accept that, but I, I have come to just kind of see him as a person whose mind is completely deluded. He's just not... He doesn't know what he's doing. I cannot be angry with him. I cannot spend my energy. I cannot feel more anger in thinking of him or blaming him. It's just that's not where I want to put my uh, energy. Well, that sounds like a letting go because I think there's still, maybe if not judgment, still an assessment of him mm -hmm. as being deluded, mm -hmm. that you have access to truth that he doesn't have. Mm -hmm. But if you dwell on thoughts of him, you know, mm -hmm. then anger arises in you. So there's a mm -hmm. a letting go, but there's there's not a, or a letting go of the desire to have him change or something. But it's it's there's still. Like if I see someone driving a gas guzzler, I have to let go of something, but I maintain the knowledge that that hurts <laughs> the future, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, a, where, where, what is, what is, obviously this one pains me, so, um, mm -hmm. you know, what is, judgment or knowledge that's not judgment or judgment that doesn't have any anger that arises with it. What's that all look like? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Again, it's not in my experience uh, in the way I, I practice is not really about letting go or suppressing uh, my awareness that there is suffering and that the actions of him or others or my sisters are causing harm. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't let go to that knowledge or that awareness. And I have a choice. What do I want to do with that awareness, that knowledge, right? And mm -hmm. so my sister is my sister, I can't change her. She has all that information. Mm -hmm. right? But I'm not going to get stuck with trying to change her because there's also a lot of other things that I can do around um, the environment. Mm -hmm. And you can watch watch these things come up, right? You know. But but watching them come up also, you can discover, well, what can I do? Yeah, but it's, that's, that's not closing your eyes to it. That's staying mm -hmm. awake to it. Yeah, so. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Looking for your options. Yeah. 
does that. That does help. It does help a lot. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> to me, it sounds like that, um, and you mentioned that actually earlier, that it's meeting your own suffering, right? Mm -hmm. That you experience seeing this, having this awareness. Uh, and we don't know why other people do what they do, or why we even sometimes do what we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, the suffering that arises out of it, to sit with this, and then maybe to meet it with compassion, I don't know, that's probably mm -hmm. the practice. Mm -hmm. That's, again, our own, our own work. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of something that <clears throat> I heard that Joseph Goldstein was sharing. Right after the 9-11, uh, yeah, he was holding a retreat, <laughs> meta retreat, and then there were uh, people that were actually from New York, and then they were saying, you know, you have to say these phrases of loving kindness, may they be safe, may they be well. He says, there's no way that we're going to be able to say these things to those people. And then, so he said that you can always uh, wish that they may be free from causes and conditions that make them act in such a way. So that's that's yeah. so. May those people who are you know driving those those gases, uh, the environment or anything else that, that they find with the buildings or whatever it is that they do, people may they be free from the causes and conditions that, that make them act that way. Yeah. So that yeah. we can say. Right, I like that a lot. <coughs> so let me share a, a tale. It's a waste tale that is. It's a tribute to the Cherokees. Right, um, and uh, what it says is that that uh, when many demons are struggling inside us, the one that we feed is the one that we will become the strongest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We alone are responsible for what we feed, and so so when we meet injustice, right, we always going to have react reactions and judgment. And we know we always we know that something is wrong. We suffering. It's just like it's there. It's hard to deny it. We want to do something, and sometimes we may know that we need to do something to address, but we just don't know what. So we can feed our despair of not knowing what to do, or we can be angry at the other ones, or we could just do some healing for ourselves, and then start from that healthy space to do some to be more responsible, responsive compassionate and, and, and effective in what we choose to do. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the goal. So you want to be effective in what you're doing and you know, making sure that the energy that you're putting or you're choosing to use goes a, a long way if, if it's possible. And even if it's a little bit, that's knowing that you're doing the best that you can. Can I say something? Yeah. Oh, I just want to thank you for for opening this up today and for your personal experience and Wendy I know that um, you've been working together and I appreciate it I, I was in a desert of of inhumanity this week I, I went somewhere and, and there were two people that I know and that I like and and I said oh it's so horrible the things that have been happening they didn't say a word there was this silence. And 
since that day, I've been thinking, what was that all about? It wasn't anything political. It was just a human kind of statement, you know. Mm -hmm. And and here are these people that I like so much. And then I said, look, you know, you you watch the news and you see people and you demonize them. You say how horrible those people are. Oh, you know, they have horns and tails. And but then I was in front of these two people that I that I had a relationship with, and. I felt that they didn't want to go there. We were in an environment, we were in an area of Orange County that is politically charged. And I thought, they're really not demons. And how do you feel about them now? So inclusively, I was co having coffee with one of them and, and this person mentioned the communist and I almost started laughing and saying, you're sitting in front of one of, that's your definition of a communist. So this week has been, very tumultuous one. And this this talk today and this sharing has been so timely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I you have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.